This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. There's about a bajillion festivals and events around Toronto, and there's a new one to talk about, the Glisten Festival, which is all about the Young and St. Clair area, and it's put on by the Young and St. Clair Business Improvement Area. Community reporter Mara Hutchinson had a chance to attend the festival. Hey, good morning, Mara. Mara. How are you? I'm pretty good. So what went down at the Glisten Festival? Well, what went down was their big tunnel of glam. I think that's the most important highlight of it, just because it's so big. It's an 80-foot pedestrian walkway, and it's just lit up with colors, 14 million sequins, and it's reversible. So all the kids, because I brought my son, and all the kids were just walking, running around and touching the walls. And I feel like that's the actual core of the whole festival. <laughs> it's, it's, it was fun. <laughs> you know, I, it, I don't think of Young and St. Clair as a neighborhood that necessarily needed a little bit more like bumping or platforming or festivaling, but it is, it is kind of a sneaky good neighborhood in Toronto between Midtown and Downtown. It really is. And I feel like Little communities like this will showcase the business, what what's around. And I didn't really realize there was so many other, because I'm usually in the hardcore of Toronto, going up there um, by St. Clair. It, there's so many restaurants, so many coffee shops and things to really do around the neighborhood, So, which is really nice. Yeah, it, you know, I said it off the top. There's a bajillion things going on around the city of Toronto. So even though there's all these really wicked neighborhoods and these cool pockets everywhere, it can be difficult to stand out. Oh, for sure. And I feel like every community, such as Young and St. Clair, right now they have all different sorts of art installations. So, I mean, it's something to look at, bring your kids along. Because um, when I took my son, well, actually we went yesterday, it was so fun because he had a great time seeing those big big because right now there's like nature's child and he thinks it's like the best thing ever so it's just nice that it's just around your community you can do something like that and it's free 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 is good we like the low low price of free 99 (laughs) so the glisten festival is running until march the 18th to learn more you can visit youngstclair.ca youngstclair.ca y-o-n-g-e S-T-C-L-A-I-R dot C-A, youngstclair.ca. Okay, a little bit closer to the downtown core, the W Hotel is uh, known for its luxury, but also cool experiences. What brought you down to the W? Well, the year just started and I needed my own time, my own adult time. So I gathered some friends and I said, let's check out some events. And then I was... It led me to W Hotel, and I was so curious to the event called Chocolate Paint and Wine. And, you know, when we got there, it didn't turn out that I was going to do that event. It changed to a whole different experience. 
but it was still a nice time just to be an adult and just be by myself with my friends. And the vibe was so amazing. Marty, yeah. Marty, you mentioned there was a pivot there. You got there thinking you were going to do one thing. You ended up doing something different. What did the W get right in terms of maybe holding your hand through that experience? Well, I think what they got right is that we were already there. And as much as maybe they could have contacted me sooner to tell me, but I think because they had an emergency with the chef, when we got there maybe 45 minutes before our actual reservation, what they got right is that they they were still able to accommodate us to a different type of event that they were hosting, which is the high bow, high tea. And to me, it's that they, the fact that we were already there waiting and they were still able to give us a great experience of other things that they have to offer. What else did you enjoy about the W? Well, I didn't know that um, there were so many cool things, such as live bands and so on, but I was just the whole environment i mean i I could sit there and maybe listen to music and have that big fire pit right in their living room so there's different spaces in the actual hotel but i feel like it's just a nice way maybe if you want to read your book or you want to be just on your own eat something good or check out their like for example they like they said they have live bands or djs so you could actually just check it out and just be in your own space or bring your friends along Back and they're in, so friendly. Back in my younger, hipper days, I used to hang out at the W in Montreal because they used to have a wicked rooftop patio with a pool in the summertime. Ooh. But uh, I uh, I don't think I could run in that scene anymore, uh, Mara. Maybe, maybe the Toronto scene, not, uh, not in the Montreal scene. That was a different, uh, diff, different, different kind of hip crew. 416-961-8000 to learn more about the W. 416-961-8000 to learn more about the W in Toronto. Mara, it's been uh, pretty warm in Toronto. I mean, I would tell you Torontonians that every winter you have is warm, but it's been warmer than usual. What have you been doing to stay busy? Well, this past weekend was a little cold, but the weekend before, it was like spring in the in beginning of um, February. So we wanted to just be outdoors and enjoy some sunshine. And I was trying to figure out what we could do with my family. And I said, because my husband and I used to go to Harbor Front Center. We'd walk before we even had a child. And I said, let's go back there, bring Mateo. And we were just wandering the streets of Harbor Front Center and by the lake, looking at boats. And I forgot how cool the whole entire area is because it's been a while. And it was nice to just be outdoors and experience that and just sit, enjoy some sunshine with my son. The neighborhood's also gone through a little bit of an evolution in the last 15 or 20 years between the development Huge. of uh, the Chorus Media Building, George Brown College. How do you think the neighborhood's changed in terms of accessibility in the last couple of years? You know what's crazy? There's more ramps. More ramps, I feel like. And they really change up in terms of access to washrooms easily. I remember back in the day, it was... It was so hard, like everything was always closed and so on, and you couldn't really get anywhere nearby. But I think I've noticed the ramp change and the concrete has changed a lot. So I mean, it gives us more space to walk, people with wheelchairs and just be outdoors as well and enjoy like just like regular people.
Yeah, modernization comes with accessibility bonuses. There's uh, yes. no doubt about that one. So 235 Queens Key West in Toronto. It actually is a pretty cool neighborhood. I've, I've spent some time down there for uh, work reasons. 416-973-4000 to learn more. 416-973-4000 to learn more. Hey, Mara, thank you for this. Have a lovely day. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Have a great day. That's community reporter Mara Hutchinson in Toronto in one minute. Laura Bain has a pretty interesting story about what was a missing instrument in the entertainment report. But first, boaters are looking for more sustainable fuels. Mike Dubusky has more in Tech Trends. Boaters hold on to their vessels for longer than drivers hold on to their cars. And Gus Blakely of Suzuki Marine says that presents a big challenge for an industry trying to go green. With all the boaters that are on the water today, they're not going to have new boats tomorrow. So we need fuels that are available today for them to use in boats that were made today and before today. That's why he says certain boat manufacturers are investing in renewable fuels, which makes traditional gasoline with more environmentally friendly alternatives. They can be used in any existing motors and they're very similar to Rec 90 um, which is the more expensive marine fuel sold only a lot of gas stations. And speaking of gas stations. Things like hydrogen, electricity, you have to build an infrastructure for that where the infrastructure that we already have basically works with renewable fuels. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Dubusky, ABC News. Mike Dubusky loves him some stories about boats. I'm going to start calling him Mike Dubotsky. Let's get to the world of entertainment. Paul McCartney has his hands back on a piece of Beatles history with a little help from his friends. Laura Bain, you have a few more of the details here. What happened? Yeah, that's right. So he's been reunited with a Hofner bass guitar, which was stolen out of the back of a van 51 years ago in 1972. Now, Paul had a particular affinity for that style of bass because he was left-handed and the Hofner bass was more symmetrical. It was sort of shaped like a violin. And I think the quote I read, he said it looked less daft when he played it (laughs) left-handed. But for everybody else, it's of interest because it was the bass guitar that he used when he was recording the first two Beatles albums including the song Twist and Shout, which I have brought a little clip for us to listen to. (laughs) Only one of the most important rock songs uh, in history of music. (laughs) Yeah, you know, 60 years and it's still a a bop. Oh, yeah, Hundo P. Uh... But, uh, you know, and, and little factoids about that song. John Lennon had a cold when they recorded that album, and it was the last uh, song they recorded that day, which is why his voice sort of sounds so rough and shredded. And actually, visual producer Bruce Baclarian let me know something that I didn't know, which is that they always do that, did that song at the end of their concerts to kind of replicate that rough sound. Oh, and interesting. That was, that was what grabbed me this morning. I was like, that's not how John Lennon usually sounds, but... Anyway, back to the mystery of the guitar. So five years ago, Paul McCartney reached out to the manufacturer to see if they could help him track down the lost bass, which led to the lost bass project. And the 
break finally came when someone reached out to say that their father had stolen the bass, not knowing it belonged to a beetle. And when he knew what he'd stolen, he'd panic. So that to me is like really funny. You just kind of like, you know, you just, it's Liverpool. It's a little, little rough back in that day. You're just, uh, you know, steal a bass out of the back of a van and, and oops, it belongs to a beetle. So of course you're, you're panicking. So he ended up selling the bass to a pub owner for a few dollars and some beers just to get it off his hands. And this pub owner passed it down to his son, who unfortunately passed away. And then it went to a younger family member who also passed away, unfortunately. But um, the wife of that younger brother found it in her attic. uh, And she saw the story about the Lost Base Project and the look. So she she ended up returning it. Now, the base hasn't been valued, but certainly in the millions. Oh, yeah. Like when you see what Prince's guitars are selling for, Bruce Springsteen's guitars are selling for, definitely it has a a monetary value. The problem is because it was known as a stolen good, you couldn't go through a public market. You would have to do something under the table and then you're not going to get all the millions. Yes, exactly. So uh, just another aspect to this story. Apparently, the woman who found the base and returned it slipped a note into the case just explaining uh, to Paul McCartney her difficult financial situation that she was in as a single parent and that she was hoping he would uh, give her some sort of compensation. So uh, no word on that yet, but that would be nice if that happens, (laughs) I think. I mean, that's a little tricky, (laughs) right? Like, hey, this thing was stolen from you. And even though you're a millionaire now, it's being returned to you could you maybe slide me a couple pounds? For sure. Um, I think he's he's certainly happy to get it back, though. But this kind of had me thinking, uh, Dave, if there was any piece of rock memorabilia that, uh, you know, if it came into your possession, I'm not going to say how it came into your possession. Let's say <laughs> accidentally it came into your possession. Uh, first of all, like, what would you do? And is there anything that you kind of you wouldn't return, even if you knew what it was? Okay, so uh, let's say random guitar has found its way into my apartment. I have not asked many questions, but it turns out that it was Kurt Cobain's guitar. I'm maybe not going to ask too, too many questions about where it came from and just say, oh, what a lovely gift a friend just gave me. So yeah, so maybe uh, Kurt Cobain's guitar. I actually do have a couple of Ben Harper's guitar picks that he threw into a crowd when I went to go see a concert once, but that wasn't stolen. He threw those into the crowds, and I'm never going to part <laughs> with those uh, Ben Harper guitar picks. Uh, yeah, let's say Kurt Cobain's guitar. That, that's my answer. What about you? Yeah. That, that's fair game with those guitar picks for sure um yeah well certainly something like this i would just want it off my hands i think even if i'd stolen it i would just go to the police and be like here i did this because uh i would be very stressed out having that in my in my possession but uh, i actually also thought of kurt cobain i thought well what if i was like at a thrift store and i came across a cardigan oh my no gosh looking for it it has some lyrics in the pocket and i think hmm i think this belonged to kurt cobain oh my I'm gosh pro- oh my gosh I'm are you thinking are you thinking that. are you thinking about the green cardigan from Unplugged in New York? Yeah, I did have that in mind. Mm, I mean, he was mm. known for his cardigans in general, but that one did come to mind for me. Okay, that's that's a good answer to that. Okay, we we both got grunge on the brain this morning. I think that tells mm-hmm. you something about where we land in the winter months at the current moment. Hey Laura, thank you for this. Have a lovely day. Uh talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Dave. You as well. That's Laura Bain at the entertainment desk coming up after the break. A bunch of politicians are getting back to work today. I've got the story in the regional news update. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv.
Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.